the topic which we want to take today is a very hot topic you can say most of the people today in organizations on personal life people are using what is called as mindfulness and when we talk about practicing mindfulness the one thing which we want to look at is how do we observe our thoughts and the reason for observing our thought comes from that many a times we think that what we are thinking what our thoughts are that is who we are and only after observing the thoughts when you see the origin and like the arrival of a thought and the departure of a thought only then you can realize that who you are is not your thought a thought is coming in your mind and it goes from your mind and some thoughts you stick to you keep chasing some of the thoughts some thoughts you just leave it in a fleeting moment but all said and done who you are are not your thoughts and that is the very big opening one gets once we start practicing mindfulness so practicing mindfulness let's get into it chante so when we talk about mindfulness we have discussed in the past about the various practices which we have done using mindful journaling mindful writing etc but overall as a concept of mindfulness and how it can be used in our day to day life is something which we would like to discuss today yeah so prasanna very interesting topic that something which is very close to us very personal to us that we are touching about and let's straight away jump into this topic of mindfulness so first thing when i was just looking at some of the articles in preparation for our today's recording what was very interesting is that uh i was looking at the graph of wiley publication which is a uh, renowned uh, publication and the reference to mindfulness or topics related to mindfulness the number of articles that were covered from about 60s up to 2010 was in this graph which was under about 50 and suddenly 2011 it shot up to 300 and then it has spiked up ever since then today it is much higher and that's something which was uh quite interesting to see that as a subject of mindfulness uh you see a spike or in the subject is only in the last 10 years but when i overlap that with the social media culture then you see a spike in the number of social media users and the way public started sharing from facebook and then instagram and so on and so forth also kind of corresponds with the same graph that spike is almost like going hand in hand and that i think uh is the hypothesis that perhaps social media is something which is also causing an issue very important point that you raised in the introduction is that we are always observing the thoughts in the exercise of mindfulness now whether it is through journaling whether it is through mindfully engaging into an activity whether it is like activity like watering plants or whether it is just sitting and meditating we are observing our thoughts with social media what has happened is perhaps that there are there is a bombardment of information that is happening and when you consume a lot let's say take in the context of food when you consume a lot then your stomach finds it difficult to uh, digest and either you know it will upset your entire system similarly when your mind is consuming a lot of this information which is not relevant which is perhaps not really necessary in the face of entertainment we are consuming but we are consuming content of uh, something which is impacting us and that is what is perhaps causing 
this effect and that is perhaps what made so many researchers write about mindfulness and therefore the spike in the publication. So just an analogy I'm making as an opening statement to this case. From there, let's see where it goes. Yeah, uh, apart from that, Shantish, what the other uh, trigger for this is the advent in, or you can say the developments which have happened, especially in medical science, especially in the area of neuroplasticity and the impact of mindfulness on neuroplasticity on our neurons. So that has also, because of the scanning machines, the new devices, the MRIs and all, it has definitely helped understand the connectivity better. So there have been studies done on monks uh, and those are scientific studies which are done and how their um, mind develops, their brain develops and the impact of their thoughts, actions, way of being on the different aspects of life has been traced and it has evidence now. It is not like just a assumption that this might be the reason. People were always seeing the application part of it and they could see the results, but we were not having the evidence to connect that applicability of mindfulness to the various other aspects of our life. And I think that has come out very well now and that definitely, uh, you can say, enables uh, many people to invest in that area, to sponsor those areas and studies and also organizations like, for example, Salesforce, if you see, they have made it a point that in every office, in each and every office of Salesforce, you will find a special room for mindfulness for the employees. So that's a big symbolic, you can say, indication that the topic has gotten in the overall uh, globe today. But when we feel the need of it, what is very important to address is also how does one practice mindfulness? Now, does one have to go and att attend uh, meditation retreats or practice it through attending some sort of mindfulness workshops, uh, subscribe to these expensive apps. Uh, I really don't know what the solution is at this point in time, but there are simple basic things. Once we understand the concept of mindfulness, perhaps it allows us to understand how we can implement it in our day-to-day -day life. So one or two things which really allow you to anchor is to bringing yourself to the present thought. Uh, in meditation, most schools uh, teach about anchoring your thought with your breath because breath is something which is consistent. If you are alive, you are breathing. Whether you are sleeping, whether you are aware of it, whether you are uh, engaged into something else, regardless, you are breathing. So just bringing your attention to breathing alone starts impacting the way you are dealing with your thoughts. And while this subject or while meditation might appear esoteric to many of them, uh, just to anchor breathing, uh, how we kind of have experienced it. We all have would have experienced this. So for example, I'm just sharing my personal experience. Uh, so I, I in school, I used to play table tennis and once I really performed well. Now my coach asked me to come in front of uh, the entire public audience, whoever were attending and receive the certificate and say a few words. Uh, I have never been a good orator. I was extremely shy in school and I found it difficult to speak on stage. So I never participated in any of these kind of uh, 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 extempore competitions and all of that. Now, when I was standing in front of them, uh, thinking that my coach is calling me and backstage, he had already told me that you have to speak a few words. So I was panicking and I my palms had turned uh, cold. I could hear my own heartbeat. And then uh, nobody told me, but 
you know, I just started taking deep breath. And when I started taking deep breath, I gained composure. And then when I gained composure, I was able to speak something and manage through that. The point being that when my thoughts overpowered, it affected my body. My body temperature, palms became cold, heart rate increased. And when I focused on my body, like when I started focusing on taking deep breaths, oxygenating my body, also observing my breath, my thoughts got altered. And somewhere, you know, even though I wasn't really confident of what I'm going to speak, at least there was a little balance. So there is some sort of connect between how your thoughts function and how your body corresponds to that. And that is what is happening. Today, people are dealing with stress, anxiety, high blood pressure, all of these uh, uh, sort of uh, comorbidities and me mental illnesses are an outcome of the way our mind is processing the thoughts. And we need to really become aware of that. We are not giving enough attention to our mental health as opposed to when you give attention to your physical health and well-being. Absolutely. And as you said, the way body responds to the mental and emotional state, which is absolutely correct, as you rightly said, and we have seen there are certain, even in medical science, there are certain psychosomatic diseases, as they call. So several headaches, migraines, sinuses have origin in uh, emotional and mental kind of uh, disturbances or post-traumatic disorders kind of where people find these kind of pain in their heart or neck or stomach or back and suddenly when the catharsis happen when they let go of those uh, disturbing feelings or they recreate those feelings they find that it has disappeared they don't know why exactly it has disappeared but then it has disappeared but that is the psychosomatic reasoning behind it same way the opposite is also true especially it is taken in the fields of uh, nlp neurolinguistic programming where the opposite which is if you change your physical state like if the way i am talking right now if i sit like this with a, a straight back and a little more confident posture immediately my state of mind also changes so as you rightly said there is a direct correlation between the two the thought process happening in the mind with the physical changes happening in our body yeah and i think realizing this with our day-to-day -day examples why i wanted to bring this day-to-day -day example is because everyone we would have experienced this without realizing but just once you realize you realize the power the potential that your thoughts is having on your day-to-day -day life and once you realize that you can start seeing the adversities that your thoughts is causing or an impedance that your thought is causing towards your own growth, towards uh, your well-being, towards your responses to the closest people in your life, your family and your friends, and towards yourself. I think if we are able to realize that, then we see the need of working with it. There is absolutely no reason to be shy about how we feel. Uh, or if we are feeling disturbed, if we are feeling pain within, it's it's absolutely normal. And before we started 13, if you remember Prasanna, we were reading that one article from Times of India, which I don't know how scientific it was, but it was definitely something which seemed rooted through the surveys and uh, also disturbing. So what the article said is that between the age 18 and 35, in India, the 
public between the age 18 and 35 7 out of 10 people are experiencing some sort of mental distress uh, anxiety depression fear worry and that is affecting their day to day life now the article further said that 70% are the ones who are realizing this we don't know about the other three now 7 out of 10 itself is a mind boggling number it's pretty disturbing and despite that we find it uncomfortable to open up to talk about it and that leads or that transforms into something much bigger than it actually is the moment i have realized in my own case that the moment you open up and you talk about it you simply take the air out of it and opening and talking about it is half battle one once you are acknowledging that you are dealing with some issue some challenge then sort of taking care of yourself becomes very easy from internal point of view you are okay with your situation from external point of view people around you the ones who are close to you are extending themselves as a strong support and i think that becomes really important we need to realize that very true and i think uh, mindfulness and meditation these topics which we are talking about practicing mindfulness becomes a very powerful support mechanism as you use the word like the way we need people supporting it the way we need medical science supporting it same way we will definitely need the other um, you can say support system coming from emotional hygiene and mental hygiene which is a very strong part of daily mindfulness practice yeah because i think the purpose of this conversation is that we have to look at why we need to practice mindfulness rather than how to practice mindfulness how to practice mindfulness there are a thousand different ways to do that and if you just google there are a bunch of articles everything seemingly relevant comes up if you search it on youtube there are so many uh, sort of exposure in terms of that area but why we need to practice mindfulness how can we make ourselves comfortable to the uh, emotional vulnerability that we are experiencing and how do we deal with that nobody is talking about that and we really needed to bring that uh, forth to the conversation now before we complete our conversation this is an opportunity for our listeners for our viewers to express themselves what is it that they are dealing with and without any sort of shame or guilt uh, because it's absolutely normal that we go through something what are you dealing with what did you do to overcome that if you could put that in the comments below the other readers will be able to at least get something out of it open up and please share subscribe and extend our extend your support in terms of reaching this video to your near and dear ones at that note i think we can complete our conversation for today thank you so much for listening